Well, today on the Anchor Northern Beaches podcast, very excitingly, we have Dr. Kit Barker, who was preaching for us on Sunday, opened up our series, The Righteous Sufferer. Welcome, Kit, to our little midweek conversation podcast. Yeah, thanks, Aaron. And uh, it was a great pleasure to be with you uh, on Sunday. Yeah, it was awesome having you. And um, yeah, with uh, Papa Dawson, not in the building, to have uh, your your uh, your 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 wonderful beard, your wonderful preaching. It was it was a real gift to us. So we're out at SMBC for those listening in Kit's office. He's got a nice coffee machine, some nice leather chairs. This could be a perfect podcast studio. <laughs> it's a nice space, a little bit of light filtering in. Something we didn't speak about on Sunday. How you're a bit of a, a coffee fanatic? No, that's right. Uh, it's one of a couple of hobbies that I've had over the years, and uh, I still roast a bit of coffee on the side for people. And um, yeah, they enjoy that here at college too. Absolutely. I've been a beneficiary of a couple and I can attest that they are very good quality. We've got some of your questions on Job. Thanks so much for submitting them. We're going to do our best to, well, not me, Kit's going to do his best to uh, address them. Um, But I'm sure as you will say, this is, I guess, the start of a conversation of huge questions that you can't fully, fully uh, satisfy in, in a Q and A, um, yeah, that's right. We um, a lot of questions raised by those opening chapters in Job, uh, as we mentioned on Sunday, and uh, there's still several weeks of sermons left, so um, the preachers will address many more questions and raise a couple of more, I'm sure. But we're hoping to get through a few of your questions today, and at least maybe point us in a direction. Yeah, for sure. I said to Kit, "Don't steal my thunder." I'm preaching series. but um, that should be good. All right, well, let's let's get underway. First question. Um, to give to you kit um I'll, usually q and a's you kind of start with a light light question right an easy way in but there's not really any light questions for good reason <laughs> let's start with this one so you mentioned that god being in control can bring great comfort in suffering the person writing says i don't know how to reconcile this with for example someone experiencing unjust suffering such as being raped how does god being in control bring comfort to situations such as these does that mean God allowed that person to be raped? It's obviously quite a personal question here. And, uh, um, yeah, how would you go about answering this one? Mm. Yeah, it's a really, um, a really good question and a really important one. Uh, let, me, let me go back to a couple of things I said on Sunday. And one of the points I made was that while the suffering and the loss that we might experience um, is deeply painful. It, I said it didn't mean that God had lost control. Before I address what that control might mean, one of the things I reflected on pastorally was um, how um, unhelpful it can be in the midst of that moment of suffering or through that trial of suffering for people to... Um, glibly point to the fact that God is in control or to just say that there's obviously a, a reason or even a good reason for what's happening. And um, as I mentioned in the sermon, I find that kind of comfort unhelpful and not very comforting. So, uh, however, I think there can be comfort in God, in understanding God's sovereignty, his goodness, his care for the world. But there's no easy answers here, as I think um, the, the the questioner mentions later on in that um submission 
Mm. There's no easy answers here. And some of that will be addressed, I think, later in the series. But I think we have to hold together things that Scripture presents to us. And in God's wisdom, he's given us um, a picture of how he engages the world, and that is as a sovereign king who, who does have his eyes over all of creation and does have plans and purposes that are going to come to fruition. And I think um, that can bring comfort in the midst of deep suffering. Obviously, in the moment of intense pain, intense trauma, it's, it might be very hard to, to hold on to that. Um, and, and I'm not denying that at all. And even in my own experiences of, of pain and, and loss, um, there are moments where it's hard to um, understand God's plans and purposes and under, hard to feel comfort um, that God is present or that God is in control. But I think that these truths are really important to sustain a life of faith uh, and that God's um, ultimate purposes and his assurance of justice for the victims uh, is something that is really comforting. Mm. Mm. Is there a follow-up there? Uh, there's a couple of questions in that. Yeah. That I, maybe I can address in more detail. Yeah, no, that's helpful. So I guess the, 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 the sub-question there is also is um, does that mean that God allowed that person mm. to be raped? So a question about how, I guess, his sovereignty mm. is at play in the world. Yeah. Um, so... It's a difficult the systematic theology question. Yeah. When you're looking at Book of Job, it's kind of some of these questions would you say mm. almost doesn't address exactly mm. how it happens? Mm, no, that's right. It is it is it's alluded to in those opening chapters that God allowed this to happen. He mm. he put limits on it, but did allow it to happen in the in the story. And I think this is telling us something about how God engages the world. Mm. Uh, that there are evil forces at play. Um but that he does put limits on it, uh, and he does allow this world to um, to exist the way it does with all of the beauty and all of the horror. And I think that raises really big questions, which are partly answered and partly not answered at the end of the book. So the first question is: I'm not sure. I'm not sure of um, of how that works together, mm. what God allows and what God plans for. I'm not sure in the sense that I, I don't understand it. I don't understand um, why there's so much suffering. I don't think God gives us an answer of why there's so much suffering, why He allows so much suffering and evil to persist in the world. I've got some. I've got some brief thoughts on the matter, and maybe I'll just share those. Um, the first one is that in God's desire to create this world, I think he, I believe he had full knowledge of what it was, what it was going to, what would eventuate, what it was going to mean for the people that he created and for himself. And I think uh, I believe that he knew what it would cost him mm. to maintain and restore relationship with us. And so I think he he creates and sustains a world, knowing full well that he would have to enter into the suffering, endure more suffering and pain than uh, than any of us ever will or or understand. Hmm. at the capacity to understand and he he did that so that he could enjoy relationship uh, and, and and live for us in the new kingdom that's coming that doesn't answer why just that it's a it's just a vision of the gospel that says God created and decided to enter into it for us um, it still doesn't answer why he did that I think that's 
Um, that's one of the great mysteries, why God would choose this, but he chose to do it and he chose to enter it. Mm-hmm. Anything else to add on that one? There's a, um, a question that's it's kind of similar to this one. Um, and this person kind of said, um, uh, again, it's, it's to do with God's sovereignty, how does it, I guess, play out? Mm-hmm. And um, how, do, how what does it mean for God to be in control? Um, I guess I'll just read it out for clarity. There was a suggestion that suffering is not due to direct sin, which I very much agree with, but also the suggestion that because God is in control, there's a godly reason for our suffering as if got part of God's greater plan for the greater good. Um, are we assuming that because God is in control, that he controls everything? Were Adam and Eve not given dominion is part of his control, not to hand over some of that responsibility? In this case, ended up with Satan, the God of this world. Mm. Um, is the reason for suffering not that we are in, the fallen, in a fallen world whilst God will make all things good? That does not mean he has initially controlled them to be bad. Mm. Yeah, and again, these are these are the great mysteries that Christians have wrestled with for millennia. Yeah. Um, and so I don't think Job's Job's going to solve those for us, and I, I can't answer definitively because I don't I don't know the answer definitively. Um, so I'll go back to what I was saying before, and then and then added something else. So on the one hand, we have a God who I I think that God does know how this world would will end up mm. and, and would end up before he created it. He, he does that with agents who are responsible for their actions and um, evil that exists, uh, and yet God will work his plans and purposes in the midst of that. Mm. So I believe that, yes, God does allow and has allowed um, evil to exist and to reign in areas, but not outside of his control. Part of that is, as I said, um, understood in the context of his own desire to be with us and to engage in that suffering himself. Mm. But part of it, I think, is also his desire to create us. So he could have created a different world with a different kind of person, with a different capacity for sin or with no capacity for rebellion, a different kind of freedom perhaps. Mm. But for whatever reason, God, I think... um, it's a great testament to who we are in his creation that God decided, decided to create us with all of the horror and the beauty that, that, that would ensue from that and become one of us hmm. so that he wants to create us, that he wants to become like us, become one of us in order to be in relationship with us. It was incredibly costly. I don't understand it. I, I don't understand why he wanted to do it. I don't understand the, why he would think the cost involved is worth it, both in terms of the the horror that people experience in the world and the horror that God himself experiences. But in God's great and unsearchable wisdom, I believe this was his plan. Mm, mm. That's helpful. And is part of that as well. He hasn't kind of chucked chucked a, a meal over there or a ball over there and left it to its own devices, but he's actually actively engaged in the world, the ball or the, the meal is made type thing. Is that what you're also kind of saying with that? So Yeah, that he hasn't just set it up and um, 
some people think that God was risking the creation or that he's disinterested or he wasn't sure what would happen. I don't think any of those um, are sustained by the biblical narrative that that God's continually active, continually concerned, um, walking with people, calling people, warning people, inviting people and uh, transforming people. So intimately involved, doesn't leave creation or his people alone, walks with them through the darkest moments and um, desires to bring joy and hope and peace. Mm. Mm. Yeah, that's helpful. Lots of really good questions. Mm. Just one on who we are. So there's a question about are we different to Job in the sense that someone said, are we sons of God and Job is you know not necessarily a son of God. So because our relationship with God maybe is different according to this question, um, does that change um, how God would relate to us versus to Job? Yeah, that's a really good question. There's, I mean, that's part of a broader question about how we read the Old Testament in light of the being um, new covenant believers uh, who have the Spirit of God, who understand uh, the gospel in Christ, uh, and have received um, more information um, about God and His works in the world. So we have to be. Um, careful and thoughtful about how we read the Old Testament and, under, and see ourselves in it. Um, and so this was a question that was raised on Sunday when I was chatting, chatting to people after the service as well, is whether we see Job, um, whether we see ourselves in Job and see all sin and suffering like Job's. So is all sin a test? Mm. Is all suffering um, like this? That it's, and, I, and I don't think Job's doing that for us. It's giving us a, a picture of, a righteous sufferer suffering for no reason, that's the language, and it's having us think about the possibility, the, the range of possibilities for why people suffer and whether we will hold on to God in the midst of that or whether we will um, turn our backs on him, curse him. Uh, another question related to that mm. possibly is coming up. So we're not exactly like Job, no. We do have God's presence and God's spirit and we have the book of Job, which Job didn't. To, to help understand sin and suffering. So there's lots of differences, and yet I think the story the story of Job and God's desire to communicate something helpful through it uh, hasn't changed, um, that it still sets up a picture of who God is, how he, how he works in the world, and, and it puts limits on how we can interpret our suffering. So as I said, our suffering can't always be connected to our sin. It's not always a result of rebellion. Um, our suffering doesn't mean that God has abandoned us or given up on us or lost control. So there are certain things that this story does for us, I think, that helps shape the way we interpret um, suffering and, and loss and also understand um, a, a broader picture of who God is, which is still coming in the, in the rest of the series. So I think there's really helpful and important essential things for us to learn from the book of Job that persist into the new covenant um, and help us understand um, God's care and concern for the world. Mm. You mentioned cursing God and yeah, the way that Job doesn't charge God with any wrongdoing. So what could that possibly be, that tension of he doesn't curse God, but he, he still, yeah, 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 you know, kind of the sentiment I'm saying, because someone asked you this, right? Mm, they um, 
I guess, how do you approach God when something frustrating like this has happened yeah. in a way that's, I guess, okay? So I can um, steal your thunder. Well, <laughs> well, yeah, yeah I taste that. I taste that. A little taster. That's right. <laughs> so yes, I didn't. I didn't spend much time on this. I don't think on Sunday. So the language is that the language of curse, uh, as I mentioned on Sunday, does resound throughout those opening chapters on in, in the mouths of different characters, uh, and, and yet Job himself, while he's while Satan thinks he's going to curse, he's sure of it, and and Job's wife tells him to. Job doesn't and Job speaks what is right and does not sin so he doesn't curse God uh, and what we see in those opening chapters is a limited response of Job I mean he's in the midst of his suffering he ha- he falls prostrate before God and he praises him and recognizes that the, the blessings come from God and they can all be taken away um, and we need to be able to accept that but that's those opening chapters don't exhaust the kinds of responses to suffering that um, the people of God can have, and Job, that Job himself now has over the next, um, well, many chapters. Mm. So uh, cursing God here is, um, well, it's desiring it's desiring harm. Mm. Uh, it indicates that the person has turned their back on God, that they're no longer trusting him and that they um, they have distanced themselves, they've rebelled against God and they've chosen a different direction. So in I guess in, in common Christian language, we just say we've um, lost our faith or just turned our back on God and walked away. Mm. And that that response is is never good. Never, never right. But there's lots of other responses. And I wouldn't want to think that the opening chapters mean that all we have to do is praise God in the midst of our suffering. Mm-hmm. Uh, Job's um, response to suffering throughout the chapters, as we'll see, is much more complex than that. He's, he's willing to question and cry out and, and plead and demand and make use very strong language. And this is also echoed in many of the Psalms. Mm-hmm. right? So um, most of the Psalms... Sorry, not most, but the the largest group of the Psalms out of the 150, the largest group is lament. Mm. It's not quite the majority percentage-wise, but it's the largest group. It it, it outweighs the praise Psalms in the book of praises, in the book of the Psalms, which is the book of praises. There's more lament in the Psalms than praise. Mm. And that just shows you that this um, this is an appropriate even a godly way to respond to our suffering, mm. that we should cry out, we should be honest. God wants to walk with us, hear from us. Uh, he wants he, he wants an authentic faith and a life um, that's offered before Him in, in, in every circumstance. Mm. Um, so there's there's more to be said about how we respond. Um, cursing and turning our back on God um, is is not appropriate, but there are lots of other good and right and helpful ways to respond to our suffering that aren't always um, aren't always praise. Mm, mm. Yeah, that's really interesting. Um, a good taste of what's to come in the next few weeks. Mm. Why is there such an unequal distribution of suffering? I know we'll never know why this side of glory, but still want to hear thoughts. Um, and... Uh, yeah, there's another question I'll get to in a sec. Right, so they're certain there's no answer, but they want me to have a guess. <laughs> well, I appreciate the confidence. Well, there you go. There's the answer for you. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, look, this. I think 
I think this is the hardest question. Um, I think we can, for someone who believes that God is in control and is sovereign uh, and yet allows sin and suffering and and redeems that and enters into it as we've we've been discussing, Mm. I think the hardest question is why there has to be so much. Um, why that? Why do some people have to suffer so much? Um, and certainly, it's related to human freedom and God's um, allowing um, agency, Satan's agency, other evil forces, other evil people. Um, but the question of the extent of it and the um, the distribution, uh, I think it's it's heartbreaking and it's confusing. And I don't have an answer for it. Um, I do know that it's heartbreaking to God too, uh, and that He's always concerned for the most vulnerable, uh, the most depressed, the most downtrodden. Again, that's the language of the Psalms. It's written for the afflicted. That's the language for those suffering. Um, but I don't know. Mm. Um. There's another question that's not exactly related to Job slash suffering, so I'll leave it for now and see if we can get to it if we have time. Mm. Um, what do we make of Hebrews saying to endure hardship as discipline if there isn't a straight line between sin and suffering? Mm. So Hebrews uh, 12. 12. Yeah, yep. Yep. yeah, and I think well, there, there's cert- certainly there are cases when um, God does correct and rebuke and uh, form us in our suffering, and sometimes our suffering is due to our sin, and, and I think the Holy Spirit convicts us of that, uh, hopefully, and the community around us can um, sharpen and rebuke us when our um, ungodly actions bring consequences and the Spirit convicts us of our sin. And um, we want, as the writer of the Hebrews is saying, we want God to do that. But that's not the only way. Mm. That's not the only way that suffering happens. It's not just on account of sin. And so always drawing a straight line um, is unhelpful uh, and, and doesn't acknowledge the sin of other people that bring suffering, not just our own sin. So certainly our own sin does and we inflict suffering on others um, and God can and hopefully does rebuke and reform us, but it's not the only way to interpret our suffering. We need to be careful. Um, to differentiate when those things are happening. Hmm. I think that's helpful. Zooming in a bit on what it looks like to suffer in the New Covenant age, we're kind of starting to touch on it a bit. Um, But someone's kind of asked, um, it's clear we'll suffer for the gospel, i.e. be persecuted. Um, But they were just questioning as to um, what that looks like in terms of sickness. Um, So this person sort of suggested... Um, because we're uh, sons of God and that he lives in us and we're not under the curse of the law and Jesus has healed everyone who's asked. Um, is there a sense that in the New Testament or in this new age that because the kingdom has come that we're going to suffer less because of, I guess, the, the present really reality of the kingdom, I think is the, is the, is the broad stroke question here. Mm. Um, no, I don't think so. I, I don't think that the coming of the kingdom 
means less suffering. I think there are moments where God heals. God's mm. always done that, and God can do that. And and there's moments in in the life of the church and the life of Je- ministry of Jesus, uh, contemporary Christian experience where God heals and blesses and restores and does all those things. But I, I'm I don't think the expectation um, of the New Testament is that Christians will suffer less from the evil and brokenness of the world. And in fact, we on balance probably suffer more mm. because not only are we, and I mentioned this on Sunday, not mm. only are we suffering the brokenness of the world uh, and the effects of sin, other sin and our own, but we're also following Jesus into a life of sacrifice, mm. into a life of, life of conflict and into a life um, where in his own language, the world will hate you. Uh, it will be divisive and while we're not seeking conflict, um, and that's not the goal, that inherently following Jesus will come up against the powers of the world. And so uh, I think for all those reasons, having expectations of less, su- less suffering are unhelpful. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I think that was a really helpful point you made on Sunday that actually as followers of Jesus, we're likely to experience more persecution because of just the way of Jesus and just the reality that Jesus, you mentioned Jesus saying, you know, if they hated me, they're going to hate you. Um, so just because we're God's people doesn't mean we're, I guess, yeah, there's a protective bubble around us. Mm. Um, yeah. I'll say I'll say something else just on that briefly. So we looked at Proverbs briefly just uh, in response as a context for Job. Yeah, yeah. As a context for Job. And, mm. and Proverbs is giving us wisdom and Jesus as well and, and James. There's lots of wisdom literature in the New Testament as well. There's some wisdom literature in the New Testament. And living a life of wisdom bring, and fearing God does bring mm. less, well, can bring less harm and suffering. Mm-hmm. A living a life of wisdom means you don't just enter into folly, which brings its own destruction. Mm. So living wisely can mean you avoid all kinds of um, extra evil and extra harm that folly and and foolishness bring um, but we need to yeah and I think that one of the questions here wants us to differentiate between suffering in general because of the broken world and suffering for Jesus and and I think we need to keep those things in mind that those are two different things mm. but I think the Christian is certainly going to suffer for Jesus but while we might be able to minimize our suffering a little bit um, in terms of living wisely uh, that the the brokenness and the evil evil that's at work in the world will still will still affect us mm, mm. that's helpful there's a lot more that you could say on suffering and job mm. there's one other question here that's not quite related to, to job and suffering and i think we have time to quickly get to it but before we get there is there anything else that you just feel like you want to say uh, that you would like to just in light of the questions here um that you haven't said about job or suffering it's tough one because we've got in here a lot of questions about more about suffering than about Job per se. Mm. But would you say that it's fair to say that Job as a book, that's not actually the main question that no, it's trying it's to not, ask, answer? Yeah, it's not the main question. And as again, giving away a little bit at the end, Job never sees the reasons for his suffering. Mm. What he's going to see is a, a renewed vision of who God is. And that helps to put his, his life and his experiences in a different context uh, and give him more hope uh, and the ability to trust in a different way. Mm. But we don't have our answers. Um, we don't have all of our answers solved by the end. And I, and I think that's that's just true uh, in general. 
that's not doesn't mean we shouldn't be asking these really important questions, mm-hmm. but we need to understand the limits of what God has decided to reveal to us in His wisdom. Uh, so it's normal to it's normal to want to talk about suffering. I think it's really important. I think it's a topic that um, that as Christians we need to have um, good expectations or right expectations about how we're going to. Um, experiencing experience things in the world and how our faith is going to inform that so these questions are great but yeah the book of job doesn't answer all of them and um, unfortunately i can't answer all of them either mm. well what you've shared has been really helpful so thank you and by the way i don't mean to say before what i said before to downplay anyone's questions here that's super valid and mm. and important so thank you so much for sharing them with us if people want to dig deeper into the book of job or the wisdom literature um, beyond sundays are there any resources or or books or authors that they you reckon they could, could uh, check out will be helped by I'll ask I'll ask you on the spot here so oh well uh, there's a there's a short there's there's a, it's one of the books job and psalms have been written on um, they're two of the old testament books that have generated so much literature so there are lots of different books on the psalms on, on job um, i think a really helpful one uh, that I've read recently is by an Australian, another um, lecturer from Melbourne, uh, mm. Lindsay Wilson. Mm. He wrote a short commentary on the Book of Job, um, and it's in the Two Horizons series, and it's it's overall quite short. So you can just read the introduction, read a couple of chapters, but it also has a section halfway through where it moves from looking at the the details of each chapter in Job to thinking about themes in Job, how it fits with the Gospel, uh, how it fits with the New Testament some issues of theology that are raised. So there's a lot of helpful resources in the back end of that quite short little volume. Mm. It, you know, it's a little it's a little more detailed than something that you might give to a friend. But um, if you're interested in digging a little deeper, that's a good place to start. Mm. Helpful. Well, it helps that I had a look at that before the sermon that I'll preach in a couple of weeks. So there you go. I'm on the right track. Hey, thanks so much for your time sharing with us, not only on Sunday, preparing that message, but also now. Um, been just really valuable so thank you um keep you with one quick question here um that's not quite related to job and suffering but someone still ask it so i think why not this is this is the space um what would you say is the the mark of a christian like how do you know you have the spirit in you finding the balance between faith work and deeds Oh, yeah, I saw that. That's a good question. You answered this the other day in a sermon at college, I Did think, I? Aaron. Did I? Yeah, you might be the best one to answer this. We're talking about <laughs> being filled but filled with the Spirit. Um, and I think your answer is a helpful one, that you, you look at um, what the Spirit's um, promised to bring in those who submit to being filled. And the short answer is that... Uh, we love one another. That's how Jesus also says that we love one another and that's how the world will know hmm. uh, that I'm in you, uh, that the Spirit is in you. Um, so the fruit of the Spirit, um, obviously love being primary there, but all of the ways in which God forms us are evidence of his um, at work at work in us and his presence with us. Um, so I think that's the first place to start. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, and we, it's helpful because I think often we, when we think about Marks of a Christian, we think about well, a lot of things. We could think about experiences or mm-hmm. um, emotions per se, mm. um, which maybe is due to our, I guess, tradition, evangelical tradition, 
which does bring some good goodness there of That's right. wanting to focus on heartfelt faith and personal relationship with God. That's right. But I hear you saying that one of the more broader marks we often miss is actually just just our character That's um, right. and fruits of the spirit. Is that right? That's right. I think you know those the, you know the fruits born out of those other things. So that the hope that we have, the deep joy that we can have in the midst of crisis. This is Paul, mm. sorrowful yet always rejoicing. Mm. Um, and, and so there's 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 a deep grounded joy in in our relationship with God. Yep, that it's rocky as we've talked about today, and that there's moments of there might be seasons of deep lament and grief, but there's there's an underlying relationship that's at its foundation, mm. uh, and and that hope in the newness brought about by the gospel and the new life that's coming uh, and a recognition of God's grace in our lives produces fruit. Mm. And so the mark of the Christian is um, the fruit that's a product of this relationship and this, this, this newness that we have and the hope that we have. Mm. Um, it brings a lot of beautiful experiences uh, in different ways and, and uh, people experience that differently too. But this is the common denominator. Mm. The common denominator is love and fruit. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, good. Well, thank you, mate. Thank you so much for your time. We've got to head off to chapel here at SMBC or Principal's Hour, what it's called. So, yeah, yeah thanks, thanks for having us and, in. Uh, pleasure. Pleasure being there on Sunday, and, and it was nice to catch up again today. You'll have to come back for us. What do you reckon? Yeah, I could do that. <laughs> Happy to. Cool. Thanks so much. Yeah.